0: Welcome to the Milt Bar.
1: Welcome along to episode 607 of the millbar Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, Eddie Mooney of the Fortunes joins us. We'll be talking about how much they're missing being out on the road and the brand new single they have coming out this Wednesday. Plus, on the music front, we'll also be talking to Angus Crown and we'll be talking about The Family Jewels, his backing band, and their brand new single and album. The album's not out till March. Single available now, talking more about that one. In addition to that, on the music front, again, we'll be finding out about England together. This is a project which has been headed up by Steve Heathcock. We'll be finding out about that from him and how they're raising funds for charity. Plus, we'll also be talking to Robin Shelby. She played Slimer in Ghostbusters 2, remained part of the family when she voiced Lady Slimer in the 2016 film, and has gotten loads more to tell us besides, so we'll be having a bit of a catch-up with her. We'll be joined by Johnny McLean from the Litchfield Garrick as they let us know about their theatre club, your chance to get involved in some brilliant online classes. And on top of that, LGBT plus Sparkle letting us know about their latest event as part of the LGBT History Month. That's coming up on the show this week. (laughs) Never Too Far is the brand new single from the Fortunes. Eddie Mooney, their frontman, man, joins me now to tell me more. Hello, sir.
2: Hello. Nice to talk to you, Jason.
1: Well, it's always good to catch up with you. And I, I know around now we should have been saying, go along and see them at the Grand. That's part of the sensational 60s uh, experience. But obviously that's on hold at the moment. Next time you can be at a theatre, well, fingers crossed it'll be the Grand where you are. But uh, uh, yeah, obviously uh, it's been a difficult time, but some brand new music from the Fortunes.
2: Well, yes, obviously, I mean, it's nearly a year since we, we uh, performed live. Our last gig was at the Liverpool Philharmonic, and that was last March. Um, we should be on tour now, as you say, and we've got another tour coming up in the autumn. And Fingers mm. crossed we'll be OK for that. But, yeah, we're just waiting for things to improve. And obviously, uh, you know, so a lot of the people who come to our shows are older people, but, you know, they have to be careful. But, yes, we try to keep music uh, going. And the guitar player, Mick Smitham and myself, um, we thought, well, you know, we'll use this time productively. So we started writing some original material together as opposed to sort of revisiting the old stuff. And uh, we came up with a number of songs, one of which is the one which is the new single.
1: it has the feel of the Fortunes and uh, obviously recorded at a different time and obviously with the the lineup changes that we've seen over the years but uh sounding really really part of the of the proper Fortunes history.
2: Well that was that's the idea and obviously the Fortunes has a particular sound and whilst it's important to sort of um keep it within that genre we also felt that we needed to, to update it a little bit and of course recording it was not easy because <clears throat> I've not seen uh, any of the other members of the band in in person since last March, so what we had to do was we had to do it remotely by um, sending files. And I, I, fortunately for me, I have access to a studio, so I was I was able to to put that together, and that's how we did it.
1: Well, I'm saying, sounded absolutely fantastic. And when it comes down to producing new music like this, I, mean, I know the fans are eager to, to hear the classics, but they, they must really appreciate something a little bit different with a with a day twist on, uh, say, the, the whole fortunes feel.
2: Well, we hope so. It comes out uh, on all the digital platforms um, on uh, th- this coming Wednesday. That's the tenth, and it should be available on sort of Amazon and iTunes and Apple and all these things. Uh, and uh, it's not a physical single in the sense of a, a vinyl single as yet. We might look at that in a few months' time, but for the moment it's going to be out there, and uh, we're hoping to have a bit of a campaign next week uh, because if we can get enough downloads, uh, it would be, would be fun to try and sneak it into the UK top 100. And, of course, we're also uh, very um, connected with a, a set called United DJs, and they have a national heritage chart, and we're fingers crossed. We're we're bubbling under, as they used to say in the old DJ parlance. <laughs> so we might we might even sneak in there tonight. We'll, we'll wait and see. Well,
1: it'd be interesting to see, I uh, say, how it does work out. Uh, when was the last time the fortunes actually charted? So this this could be an interesting uh, you know, story for the record books as well.
2: Well, it it's, it depends what you mean in the sense of obviously compilation albums have charted over mm-hmm. the years, yeah. uh, you know, um, greatest hits things. But as a single, that's a very interesting. Part. I think it was the last one. It was 1987. Uh, and When Your Heart Speaks, and it was a record which charted in Holland, mm-hmm. but the last, the last UK top 40 hit, you have to go way back, <laughs> and it's 1972, Storm in a Teacup. But, but... Um, obviously, these days, the charts, is, it goes up to 100. I mean, in those days, it was a top 40. And if you didn't make the top 40, that was that. But yes, the, the last hit was 87, and in the UK, 72.
1: So, you know, it is uh, a good opportunity to to really uh, impress the fans and those who have been around for all those decades will no doubt be, say, very pleased to hear this. And the the great thing is so many people are tech-savvy these days. They'll be ready for it. And as you say, a physical uh, single release when it comes to... Being back touring uh, could be a great uh, way uh, to to add to the merch stall as well on um, the Sensational Sisters experience. Uh,
2: obviously, when you um, tour, that you, you sell CDs. I mean, we, we did an album uh, a couple of years ago called Past and Present, which was um, a live a live recording of of our sort of full theatre show, and I had all the hits and some some lesser known songs as well. But something like this is a bit different because it, it if you like, it becomes part of the fortunes recording history. It's one thing to re record stuff, but it's another to actually create something which is which is new and and um i mean I, i've been doing some vinyl singles of my own as well and um there is a bit of a demand for that and um, it's a bit of an eclectic and a bit of a niche market but, but it's still there um cd singles not so much now but certainly a, a little vinyl ep might be nice with a good sleeve and maybe perhaps some uh, vintage recordings on there as well. I mean, for example, we did some stuff with uh, uh, an orchestra in Belgium a few years ago, which Mm -hmm. was recorded, doing the big hits, and they sound fantastic. So they'd be great for a physical single along with the new song. That's a possible idea.
1: Well, we shall keep an eye out for the additions to the discography of the Fortunes. Uh, meanwhile, though, uh, say uh, availability online for uh, a big chunk of your work and your own personal uh, performances taking place each Friday as part of your sort of lockdown live sessions on your Facebook page. Where do we go to find all of this stuff?
2: Well, the Facebook thing—it started as a bit of fun. I've actually done forty-seven <laughs> of these treats. And um, it started just as a, a way of just for a few fans just to cheer them up when it was really bad last last um, when, when the first lockdown happened. And of course, um, I, also it was a way of, in which I could sort of keep my voice in trim because obviously like any sort of muscle, if you don't use it, you lose it. so mm-hmm. um, and it's grown. I mean on some occasions we'll get up to a thousand people with the, the views afterwards, and certainly a hundred or so at any one time. but the limitation of it is it's on my own Facebook page. Um, there were technical reasons why we couldn't do it on the fortunes page. We tried it, and it did work for a while, but Facebook have got certain limitations of copyright reasons. But if anybody wants to tune in, you're welcome to come to my own Facebook page. And all I would ask anybody to do is if you message me saying the reason that you want to be a friend, if you like, is because you want to listen in, then, of course, I'll know why you're being a friend as opposed to someone. <laughs> random thing that you get yeah i get hundreds of oh yeah i've never heard of yeah but we're all there if somebody sends me a message and says look i'd like to tune in then i will I will always let them join and, and it become part of it's a little family it's a it's a bit of fun do some fortune stuff and some 60s and 70s and any new stuff what we've done and it's very very low-key it's it's just a a speaker and me singing in the in in this very man cave that I'm in now.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's about having a bit of fun and the the fortunes. Uh, if we search for that in the usual digital outlets and on Spotify, we'll be able to to listen to that track as of release day.
2: Yes, it's official release is this coming Wednesday the tenth. Uh, the thing about these digital platforms, they don't all come online at once, but it, it should be up on all of them by the weekend. But certainly, it'll start appearing. Uh, on some of them um, on Wednesday, I'm going to put. I'm going to uh, put some announcements on the force, uh, the uh, Fortune's Facebook page, and on my own page, of course. And um, it's getting quite a bit of airplay already. So, as I say, we're hoping to get into this so-called heritage chart, which is for acts that have had hits in the past. And I think Paul McCartney's in there at the moment, and and Cliff Richard and people like that. So, exactly who uh, you should be uh, backing with.
1: Under. Yeah, absolutely bubbling under, we like that. Well, I, I, as it is, I never ever thought I would find myself saying, here's the brand new single from the Fortunes, particularly as you've already mentioned, the last one uh, you know, proper was back in uh, well, the year I was born. So uh, this is quite an experience <laughs> for me. Never too far, the brand new single from the Fortunes now. Meanwhile, Eddie Mooney, thank you for joining us. Thanks ever
2: so much, Jason. It's a pleasure talking to you, take care.
1: Gary, I've got something amazing for those who are missing, taking part in dramatic groups. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Associate Director John McLean. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. How are you, Jason? I'm very well, and I trust we find you ready for the world.
3: Yes, yet yeah, just about as ready as anyone can be at the moment, I think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because you are about to embark on not one, but two groups. One for the the youngsters and one for those that were senior in years uh, to be able to get on and do some dramatics online in this time of lockdown
3: yes yes absolutely so we are launching a theatre club and our youth theatre club uh, primarily i think because everyone's in need of a break everyone's sort of needs the chance to be a bit creative again and i think although often at the garrick we do sort of wonderful shows and that sort of thing i think at the moment more than anything people want to see their friends socialize with people who've got similar interests and just have some fun
1: mm-hmm. well- <laughs> Even a script read-through is going to be amazing at this point, Absolutely, let alone doing yeah. something which involves real drama online. So, uh, you know, it is uh, it is an opportunity. And, well, I suppose, I mean, the, the youngsters have been missing out terribly because they're normally involved in all sorts of things. They have time for that sort of stuff normally. Yeah. And now all they have is time to sit at home and probably play on computer games. So a chance to interact with their peers.
3: Yes, yeah, I think, I mean, drama as a whole is so critical for young people just in sort of developing, learning and... I think, as you said, just gives a chance for something different. We all love Fortnite. We all love whatever game you're playing at the moment. But the chance to just interact with some friends, pretend to be someone else for two hours, is just invaluable.
1: This this is what gets you through life normally.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> always, always.
1: <laughs> See, I, I'm missing seeing you in shows because very often you're involved in all sorts of different things. And uh, whether it's been at the Garrick or I've seen you at the arena in Wolverhampton, all these sort of places, <laughs> you are an absolute star. And I think it's ha- Thank you very much. having someone like yourself involved in all of this really does make a difference too.
3: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, my professional experience has been wonderful and I think... It's informed some of my uh, sort of the ways I run groups, but I think more than anything of what I'm proud about is the culture. I think over the last couple of years we've mm-hmm. built with the Garrick, we've kind of had people say how welcoming an environment it is and sort of how it's a great place for people who are trying things for the first time or that sort of thing, with a really nice social atmosphere as well. So I think it's a really nice marrying together of sort of professional skills and just a really positive, safe space to Mm -hmm. try things out
1: yeah and with these two groups Theatre Club and Junior Theatre Club you've got an interesting pricing model haven't you
3: yes yeah so we're trying something a little bit different I think just to match the uh, match the times really so for Theatre Club it is all going to be donation based I think times are hard for people and certainly I think some of the class divides or things in allowing people to access theatre or opportunities have perhaps been thrown into more stark clarity right now and so we're very keen that if you're at the end of a session if you're able to donate that's great but if not please please don't let that stop you from having the chance to be creative you know we want this to be an opportunity for everybody as theatre should be um so yeah essentially there's no booking cost or anything like that it's at the end of a session you donate what you feel you're able and if that's nothing that's absolutely fine
1: The important part is being part of it, having that release, being able to enjoy uh, being part of the world of theatre and take part. Obviously, it'd be great if people can. And how does it work for the kids? So how it works for
3: the kids is, once you've booked on, we will be sending out a Zoom link because you'll be on that mailing list. All you need to do is check your safeguarding paperwork, make sure your background's nice and (laughs) sensible, and then... Click on the Zoom link and we'll be running the session. So we're doing some sessions on screen acting, we're doing improvising and devising with characters, doing some script work, both acting and directing, which should be really exciting. And then we're doing one that's a little bit out of left field, which is Foley effects. So all those incredible sound effects in cinema and theatre and all that kind of stuff, we're going over some of the amazing ways that people create that sort of, those sorts of sounds, because it's never what you expect. <laughs>
1: so all that going on and how you do that in this time yeah it's it's great i mean the fact you can zoom this as well but does it mean you've got a limited number of spaces for each of these groups so i think that will
3: entirely
1: depend on demand really if Mm.
3: demand flies out the window we might need to extend sort of two groups per age group or that sort of thing we're going to sort of be experimenting as we go and i to be honest numbers will probably be similar to what we normally run with a youth theatre session so about 20 to 30 people um but if that gets too much to handle we will just sort of expand to match the demand
1: mm-hmm. And you can sort of split out different bits of groups as well and uh, there'll be uh, individual rehearsals for different bits and um, uh, will there be a final production do you think at any point is that something that's gonna uh, develop for our theatre
3: club i don't think there will so theatre club itself is very much f- sort of focused on the doing the mm-hmm. sort of the taking part the technical so more just the enjoying being creative so Mm -hmm. we've we're releasing very excitingly next wednesday is our first episode being released up to christmas we ran a group called young rep digital Mm -hmm. where we sort of wrote and filmed monologues in home spaces so that will be coming out uh, it's called monologues of murder it will be starting to come out on wednesday next wednesday even um but theater club itself there's no pressure on it 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 means that it frees people up to i suppose be able to attend when they can. I think for some people signing on to a big old 12 week project or something like that can be quite an intimidating thing right now because we never <laughs> quite know what's going to happen. Um, so just offering people that chance to, you know, attend one session and they might miss one, but that doesn't stop them being able to come back and do some more.
1: Yeah. So a, a great opportunity and say so they will be there in the right place for the next time an opportunity comes along that might be filmed and shared. So, you know, this is, it's really a, a chance to, Get involved. And get that spirit running and and, and really feel good about what's going on around them.
3: Yes, absolutely. I mean, what a chance to, for for myself, discover local talent. What a chance to sort of try out theatre if you haven't done it before. And also, I'm looking forward to running the sessions, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've been having withdrawal. (laughs) Yeah, you've
1: you've not seen real people for so long. and (laughs) I know you've done some great stuff. I mean, throughout each of the lockdowns, I mean, you've been appearing on screen, reading stories and all sorts, and I know that the Garrickson's done some fantastic work there too.
3: Thank you very much. I think people are sick of seeing my face by now, but hopefully <laughs> they'll come along to Theatre Club anyway.
1: I <laughs> love you. Everybody loves you, but there we go. <laughs> right, so uh, give us the details on how people sign up for this and, of course, can also then find what else is going on with the Garrick. Absolutely. So all you
3: need to do is head on to the Litchfield Garrick website. So that's www lichfieldgarrick.com there on the what's on page will be what you need or you can pop onto our facebook instagram or twitter and there will be links there to check out the booking page once you've booked on send us your application form and jobs are good and will you'll get your zoom link and as long as you're there either on mondays at six thirty for youth theatre club or wednesdays at six thirty for theatre club for adults and jobs are good and it all starts on Monday the 1st of March with the adults group on the 3rd of March that's all there is to it.
1: Simple as that and say LitchfieldGarrick.com uh, is a great place to go and see what else is happening and when the shows start to reappear because a close call nearly had a panto but unfortunately that didn't quite happen. <laughs>
2: we but did our best we did
1: you amazed people with what you were able to do online I think that's the good bit <laughs> so uh, that was a treat in itself so you know the, the, you, you never once to give up on anything you will keep going at it and to say this is uh, another great way of getting people involved in theatre and a chance to, to get involved and do something no Experience necessary just a willingness to take part and enjoy. Yes absolutely. Uh, John McLean uh, Associate Director at the Garrick thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me Jason. Let's Fly is the brand new album from Angus Crown and the Family Jewels. It's released in March. There's a single as well for us to enjoy. And Angus joins us now for a chat. Hello, sir.
4: Hello. How are you, Jason? Glad to be here.
1: Good to have you along. Thank you for joining us. And uh, uh, where do you join us from? This is the important bit.
4: place far, far away, distant <laughs> galaxy, Los Angeles.
1: And uh, where else would you want to be to produce some of the finest music in the world? And this is what you're going for. So tell us a, a bit about yourself and the family, jewels.
4: Yeah. Sure. Well, this is uh, Let's Fly is my fourth uh, full record release in the last four years. Uh, we did a great tour in the UK last year. Uh, actually, 2019. It's gone by so fast. Um where I am right now, I, I mean, I'm pretty excited about this new, uh, this new record. It's a, definitely a shift more into the mainstream crossover sounds. Um, I'm known for a genre called yukabili punk rock, which is a mashup of ukulele, rockabilly, and punk. And, uh, I mean, my first record was pretty pretty true to those three uh, genres, but this latest one is more, I think, more rockabilly, more
1: mainstream. I, I don't think you can go wrong with that selection, though. I mean, there's, there's some brilliant sounds in there. And did it start with the sound and then turn into the music, or did you want to write music to use the sound?
4: I just kind of start strumming, and I just start start to get some, some really good sounds out of it. And then, you know, my muse is my wife. I've been married for over 20 years, and mm-hmm. I'll just start, you know, writing some songs, some some good love songs or some harder songs um but really inspiration just comes from the melody and uh for songs that don't have a uh ukulele on it um i'm playing the bass so those are fun too because um i'll sit there and i'll just start twiddling away and then something comes up and, and i just if i enjoy it i just kind of go with it
1: so the, the music's about you enjoying yourself first which i think is vitally important for any musician because if, if you're trying to do it as a job that's just a job, you're not putting your heart and soul into it very often. It doesn't stop some people, but I think when you can bring it to life with your own thoughts and, and, uh, and your own energy behind it, that's just so much better, isn't it?
4: Yeah, you know, some songs I write and I'm, I'm like, why did I do that one? There's a song on this one, A Little Less Real. And it really was a, a defining song for the way I was feeling. I was just kind of like a little bit too deep into myself and just really didn't want to be around myself for a little while. So I ended up writing something that was very close and personal. Mm -hmm. And then other days when I'm feeling pretty keen about myself and I'm pretty happy, I'm like, I don't want to hear that song. That song is (laughs) going to bring me down. But I think in, in the big picture, yeah, I'd rather write songs that are coming from my heart and my soul than to write something it's kind of like a jingle just to be cute about it.
1: And you've actually uh, mentioned your own tour across the UK in 2019, but you've uh, actually uh, brought tours to life for many an artist as well. And uh, how does that crossover work?
4: Well, that was a lifetime ago, it kind of seems. Um, I was a concert uh, producer and I worked with some major bands, uh, Queen and Boy George and a lot of electronica guys, uh, Fatboy Slim and Paul Oakenfold. You know, I think I've always been artistic. I used to own a vaudeville theater. George Frumby, uh comes to mind if you're thinking vaudeville. I don't know if your listeners know vaudeville, but as you get older, most people don't know vaudeville. But that's a shtick. And so I've always been into the shtick and for the fun and the performance. So when I was producing concerts, it was it was just natural. To me, I may have not been on the stage. I was just on the side of the stage. But the transition happened very naturally. I've always been inclined to play music and I've always been inclined to perform so when I decided to move away from producing it was a very natural move.
1: What are your aims and goals at the moment? You say we're on the fourth album we've got a single uh, as well off this uh, current latest one and the, the build-up to the release in March must be a part of the excitement now. It
4: is yeah I mean a lot of people tend to wonder like what are you doing if you're a musician and they're just kind of like where are you going with this and I think I'd like to navigate the path, but I know the path has to be navigated upon itself. Um, I'm not a Buddhist, but there's a saying that uh, what you are seeking is seeking you. So I think that as the more I put the music out and the more I get this genre moving along, that more people hear it and want to do more with it. Um, Obviously, I'd like to be touring full time uh, Mm -hmm. around the world. And I, I hope one day for that to actually happen where I can do it But uh, I think for this record, when I'm really excited about this record, I have a great uh, team in London uh, working for me on this one. And I like the fact that there are songs on there that I feel blend into that crossover range. And then I also know that I'm very quirky. And so there are songs on there like Rosé Wine, which is a very quirky song. So I don't want to lose that part of me as I try to push out to the mainstream.
1: And your your vocal style is uh, somewhat uh, quirky too.
4: Yeah, yeah. I like when... uh, a lot of people, you know, they'll, boy, they'll, they'll go Ian dirty a lot. You know, if one person wrote a review once and says uh, it's more parlato than singing. And then when I'm singing, I'm like, well, that's singing. You know, some, <laughs> some songs are kind of talking through. And, you know, I think that's just the style. Uh, I just had a review come through and it, they said always, you know, it's very much like Roo, Lou Reed. And, and that's a positive positive. and I do, I, for me, I find the, the range to be comfortable. I wanna do something in a comfortable range. I don't mm. wanna stress myself and I don't wanna, you know, put myself out there and, and feel like I'm trying to be something that I'm not. I mean, I'm very comfortable with my voice. I'm very comfortable with the style. Um, so if a song kind of pushes me into a range, like I've got an ache on this song, that's definitely a singing loud song. Um, I enjoy it, but but I'm very comfortable where I am, and and every time somebody compares me to Ian Dury, I just feel it's a it's a beyond a human uh, compliment. I'm very excited when they talk like that.
1: Well, I mean the the music and, and the songwriting is yours, but how do the family jewels get involved? And tell us a bit about the rest of the gang.
4: Yeah, sure. So uh, Rod Kashani is my bass up uh, bass base, he's my bassist and my backup. Mixed two words there. He's the backup guitarist. Uh, Rod's, Rod's a, a well-sought session musician in, in LA, and uh, he's, you know they, we're all within range. He's the youngest of the crew. A lot of my music's about millennials and getting older and trying to figure all that stuff out, but he's the youngest, he's about 30. Uh, my drummer is Tino Marufo. Tino's uh, an amazing, amazing drummer. He's also well sought out. Uh, these guys are doing a lot of session work. They're also in some really great bands on the side, which is fun. I like to go and watch them when we can go out. Um, he Tito was actually brought to me through my guitarist, Gavin Ross. Uh, Gavin is—I mean, Gavin's incredible. He really brings my sound to the level it is, and I'm very appreciative to have him. Uh, Gavin's been—he uh, we—he has a studio in uh, Burbank, California, Steady mm-hmm. Studios, and uh, we kind of all jam there. But he is my co-producer, and he really does a lot as far as bringing it to where I'm, you know, where I see it. So it's, it's exciting. They're a bunch of good guys.
1: Well, and, and the, the teamwork there when you're producing the music and recording sort of builds up on your sound and uh, when, you know, whatever instrument you happen to be playing, I, I take it, you know, they're there yeah, as backup, but they're, they're really there helping you bring an idea to life and and you get used to working with people and uh, you know, you, you must get the best out of them in the, in the same way as you do from your own performance.
4: You know, if quite honestly, they get the best, they, you know, they get the best out of me. I think they're they're all, you know, amazing musicians in their own right. And uh, sometimes it's a little frustrating, you know, because they'll take it somewhere and I'll be like, well, let me catch up with you. You know, <laughs> but I think at, at the end of the day, it's it's they're complimenting me in a way that that makes me perform better and, and do a better job, I think, as a musician. And I compliment them because I'm so damn good looking
1: this is uh, the way it is. well if you want to check out what he looks like uh and in, in all the press shots you can find that anguscrown.com uh the album is let's fly uh we're going to take a listen to the single dreaming is true and uh you know this is an entry point for people into your music and, and maybe an easier one than there's been there previously but certainly once they start on this the back catalogue is going to beckon isn't it
4: it is, I mean, the, the first record, there's a couple of songs on there, Kitty and Lullaby Blues, that uh, I love singing and performing, they're very dear to me songs, but they're way, way, way over on the punk side. <laughs> and I absolutely never suggest, a Lullaby Blues, I love singing, We always, I always finish that song after uh, every show and and we, it's a hard, fast paced punk song. But then at the very end, we go into this bluesy, little jazzy thing, which is really fun and exciting. Um, But yeah, I think if you listen to Dreaming is True, I think you should go directly to um, Unobservant Idiot, which was my last record. (laughs) And that's the one we toured with. Uh, There's some, I mean, it's a nice blend. And I also think once you go there, you go back to Shag Rug. um, And then you just work in your way back until my self-titled debut. But yeah, I think Dreaming is True is really the, the, uh, the the opening sound.
1: Well, you will be addicted. Angus Crown is uh, with a dot com on the end of it. Crown has an e on the end of it, and this is going to just absolutely blow your mind. I think we'll take a listen to "Dreaming Is True." Let's Fly. The album is out on the nineteenth of March. Angus Crown, thank you for joining us from LA.
4: Thanks, I appreciate it. It was very nice to meet you, Jason.
1: Robin Shelby is somebody you'd have seen on screen, heard and been on the receiving end of a production work as well. Randomly, somehow, someone who looks like this can be Slimer. How does that happen? Hello?
5: thank you for having me today
1: i'm good i'm glad you could join us and thank you for having this conversation for science of cinema supporting medicinema in the work that they do now these interviews are a chance to get behind the scenes and understand a bit more about the movie industry and you're someone who's got an experience in all areas of the world of cinema not only sitting in a booth making silly noises to being in front of a camera but also telling people what to do in your world of production as well
5: i've been so lucky in all honesty it's it's easy to look at what you don't have but when I look at what I have had and been offered in the opportunities I'm I'm really grateful. Well, how, grateful how did
1: all this start because you've done theater as well so was it was that where it began for you
5: children's theater yeah I was 11 um, and I got bitten by the acting bug in junior high school very early mm-hmm. um, but I absolutely Fell in love with it immediately and and just kept going from there.
1: How does that develop then into becoming Slimer in Ghostbusters 2 in the late 80s and then being the voice of Lady Slimer later on?
5: Yeah, actually for Ghostbusters 2, I was living in Northern California and the year before that, I was uh, working on a movie called Willow.
1: And in Willow, you were under quite a lot of fur. I
5: I was. I played a troll that got killed at the top of the bridge Mm -hmm. and got torn in two by a hydra monster. So (laughs) I have a really strange resume, but that's okay. It's all good. It's all good. Um, So uh, that's how I got introduced to Industrial Light and Magic. And about a year later, um, they needed somebody to come in and audition. I didn't know what it was for when I went in, um, but they were looking for someone to play Slimer. So uh, I auditioned and got the job right away.
1: I would already met Slimer in the first episode of Ghostbusters. So you had something to work with there.
5: Mm Mm-hmm. Actually, I was I was the actress inside the costume, mm-hmm. and I think it was Ivan Reitman who provided the the voice for Slimer. Right. But I was I was like I was in front of a blue screen uh, for many hours uh, in about a forty pound costume. I didn't weigh much more than that, <laughs> um, and and uh, and had a great time. Had a great time. It was the hardest work I've ever done, but like the most rewarding. And I would. Do it a hundred times over
1: but then that, that sort of progressed I suppose then gave you opportunities doors to open and people knew what you could do from this point onwards uh, and this is where things started to to sort of snowball but you, you've done tv work as well and and produced uh, what 15 episodes of one show
5: A web series I've I've produced my husband writing and producing as well um sometimes when you want to be creative you have to create your own Projects and that's what we did. We, we had some ideas and just ran with it and my husband is a brilliant writer He's very funny. Um, he's extremely funny and, and we just decided to make our own stuff So we did we said okay, here's here's the idea and let's shoot an episode which turned into about 15 um, we shot a, a series called far from the tree which um, that was our first big undertaking, but it's about a daughter amidst this very crazy family so she's like the calm amidst the storm and, uh, and based very loosely on some of my family members, but in a very loving way. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, we had so much fun. I learned a lot because you have to organize and schedule and, and you know, there's paperwork to deal with. And it, it was a lot. And as an actor, you don't normally have to deal with that. But I, I learned a lot. I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I did that.
1: But and all of this I mean it comes together to be an amazing career and plenty plenty more still to do. But as so you you started out in theater and is that really your first love or do you enjoy both sides of it too?
5: You know, I it's so different. I enjoy them both, but theater will always be my very first love. It always will be. Um that was my first, you know, uh, taste of of acting and um it just there's nothing like being in front of an audience. Nothing. And of course, now with COVID, theaters are not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and Broadway has been closed and probably will be you know, through the, the rest of the year. Maybe. I'm not sure when they're gonna reopen. But um, yeah, I miss it so much. I, I miss seeing theater, I miss doing theater. Um, I would love to, I, I sing, I do musical theater. That's, that's kind of how I started. Um, it's a big part of me, I miss it. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to when all this is over and it's safe to go back and doing a show or two. Mm-hmm. I
1: really want to. Uh, but have you done much character work in theatre as well? Because obviously that's in, in, in films, obviously your appearance as Slimer and uh, in, in Willow as, the, as a troll, which uh, yeah, it must have been an interesting one to to do. But uh, and how does that to sort of compare to the sort of things that you do on stage? Because most of the time, you've done some really big straight acting jobs and some musicals.
5: Thank you. Thank you. The difference, well, I've never done, I, I was. I haven't been in a costume in theatre, Um it's 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 so different acting for stage outside of a costume is different than acting for camera in a costume it's it's a you, you kind of have to what we did for slimer because i hadn't done a lot of on-camera costume work we had weeks of rehearsal a few weeks of rehearsal of, they would tape it they'd let me see it to see what was working what wasn't and we all worked together because there were puppeteers as well mm-hmm. um there was somebody running the eyes and the lips and the tongue and, and, and the nose to, could sniff and, but we all had to work together. So the rehearsals kind of got us all on the same page and they were, they're so brilliant at ILM. Like they are the best of the best and um, talk about something kind of fresh faced and new going into working with people like that. It was just like a kid in a candy store. It was crazy, it was but, wonderful.
1: But I mean, you look at the technology differences between what, 1986 was it, that one? And and where we I are sh- now. I mean, you, you can make at home something on, on the same sort of scale as, as they would have cost millions to produce then.
5: 1989 is when I shot, um, and oh. I, we shot it really close to when it came out. Because um, Slimer was in the script, then out of the script, then back in the script, and it was kind of they had to rush to get the the special effects done so we we had very limited amount of time to to do it so but yeah it was state of the art that costume that 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 they made for for slimer was there's nothing like it at the time i mean it was pretty cool <laughs> and even today i kind of i still feel like cgi is needed in certain instances but it just can't match a person in a live in a costume helping to create a character, mm-hmm. there's just something about it that you just can't replicate, you
1: yeah. know? Yeah, real people, real actors, it is needed. And, and you are you are an actor under there. You're not just holding a prop up. You are really bringing this thing to life. And again, the with Slimer, that was one of the, the characters that really people identified with. Had it not been in the second film, I don't think it would have sort of lived on in the same <laughs> way as it has to today. So you're responsible for that
5: oh no but not me i mean the, the the production was responsible for bringing Slimer yeah, back i can't take yeah. credit for that yeah but um i was lucky enough to um to be part of it and, and then help bring Slimer back to life my earpiece just fell out <laughs> there we go i was part of the team of bringing him back to life when they when they put him back in the script and super honored to have done that
1: when you are uh, coming to an approach a role like that obviously mm-hmm. you've, you've you've got to have your motivation and uh producing slime and, and eating everything in sight i mean that's an interesting motivation
5: it is and it, it was hard to step into like you said the original the ghostbuster slimer was an iconic character and stepping into something that people already know they already love you don't want to mess it up. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and I was just like, I, okay, I, I have to, I have to step up and do the best work I can do. But what I didn't want to do is put that much pressure on myself saying, Oh my God, I, I didn't want to, I wanted to have fun and listen to what they, they needed and not fill myself with um, how big it was at the time. Cause that, that would have freaked me out. Mm-hmm. So I just had to go and have fun with the team and, and, and Slimer is a little bit different in Ghostbusters too. So I definitely didn't want to, replicate what they did in one but listen what they needed for Ghostbusters 2
1: he developed as as a character definitely yeah
5: it it was a team I mean like it took it took a village to make that make that (laughs) character it really did
1: (laughs) so uh from there on to Lady Slimer and uh getting to the voice this time and that that you know just a natural progression within the movies but I mean it's nice to have someone who's in canon who's actually doing this as well so I I think that again it, it shows the Ghostbusters family
5: Paul Feig was the one who reached out to me, and I had never met Paul Feig, um, who was one of the nicest men on the planet. He's so sweet. Um, he, I, I got a tweet from him, a message, a private message saying, mm-hmm. you know, if you're interested, um, I, I kind of want to talk to you. There might be something that that I, I'd love for you to do in Ghostbusters Answer the Call, and how could I say no to that, <laughs> right? But, but that was Paul. He was reaching out to different people um, from – from, from previous you know the previous movies trying to get the fans uh, excited and happy and incorporate everyone into it he's he was incredible for doing that it was a love letter in my mind it was Fee's kind of love letter to the fans i think he really put a lot of love into that film
1: so i was creating a voice this time
5: it was it was and i had to go into a, a sound studio and they had a rough sketch not, not a sketch but like rough animation so it wasn't finished it doesn't didn't look like it does in the final mm-hmm. film. And I just kind of had to take direction and add what I could to it and collaborate a little bit. And uh, it was fun. <laughs> if you would have watched me, I was like a screaming, crazy person <laughs> in the, the
1: studio you you play the part but i mean having already had the experience of, of being the physical slimer and then when lady slimer comes along as you say animated so this was cgi this time around and uh, uh the, and, and once the cgi is sort of mapped they actually will then use that mapping to follow your voice as well so yeah you know, it is very realistic isn't it by this point
5: it is it is and and um I, I just saw the the few moments that, that I, that I shot at the time. I had no idea what the rest of the film, I was just hoping it was going to be fun. I was hoping that it was, yeah, that the fans would love it. And when I finally got to see it all put together, because I knew about that much of, <laughs> of the script, um, I was, I was relieved. I was like, Oh, this is, this is good. The, you know, personally, I, I, I love it. I know there's a lot of weird, you know, there's a lot of controversy, you know, with, with, with that film and, and, and the women being Ghostbusters and but I I, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was fun to watch and so happy when I finally got to see it all put together.
1: Yeah, I mean, I when it's you work on a project like this i mean again you've seen this from uh from an acting from a creature from uh, a production point of view and and do you get Mm -hmm. a different feeling when one of these yeah basically a a baby you're creating turns into the this 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 fantastic thing that is on screen i mean does it feel different though in each of those different cases and again also to the theater work as well because obviously theater's got a, a live initial reaction as you do it but when you're being a creature you're probably just stuck with your arms in the air trying desperately to breathe
5: interesting point yeah I mean it was you know in Ghostbusters 2 I had the costume it, it was a the weight was a challenge and it was hot I mean but I did have a lot of people watching out for me on the set the whole time they were making sure that I was okay and that I I had breaks and that I had water and um I always I like I, I like bringing this up as a fun fact like when I was in the costume for Ghostbusters 2 I, I wasn't allowed to eat because it took so long to get in and out, they just didn't want any. Uh, like if I if I started not feeling well or choked or they, they they wanted me to eat outside of the costume, so I always joke around that Slimer was not allowed to eat.
1: <laughs> the irony of all of that, but <laughs> yeah, if it, if, it, if, it, if it wasn't ectoplasm, it wasn't happening. But there we go. So what is going on at the moment, then? what is next? Obviously, things are a hiatus as far as your theatre work goes. Uh, but uh, you're working on any uh, web and TV projects at the moment?
5: Yeah, well, we're still we, we're producing another episode uh, in the next week or two of um, Two Cups in a Car, which is mm-hmm. the other series that we produced. And a lot of production, as you probably know, just they shut down for mm-hmm. now. It's like there's not a lot going on. So I'm hoping by summer, um, things we'll pick up and um, there'll be, there'll be more opportunities to go out there and, and audition and work and, and be creative. But until then, we're just going to keep creating on our end and, and, and put some fun stuff out there for people.
1: Yeah, it's getting the writing done and a few things online. That that will all help. And uh, as we sit here and chat, uh, we are in front of your DVD collection. And uh, is is there something yeah. there? I mean, we, might, we might as well talk about this. There's this quite an array of things behind you. Wait, I mean, what 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 is uh, is there a guilty pleasure back there? And what, what yeah? What uh, have you got your own your own stuff on on the shelf? Not
5: not really. I mean, I do have Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters two. Uh, answer the call. Yeah. They're, the Ghostbusters films are up there, Willow's there. But my husband and I both are, you know, film buffs and a lot of these are my husbands too. Okay. But it's very eclectic. It's a very eclectic uh collection of of different films. Yeah.
1: So so what are you embarrassed that is on that shelf? Uh...
5: Ooh, that is a good question. Um, am I embarrassed by anything? You but know, you... we really just buy things because we really we like them.
1: Yeah. Buffy's a um, classic. I can see I... Buffy behind you there. I mean that series is absolutely yeah, fantastic.
5: Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, there, there, there is, there is one film, um, that somebody that I know worked on, there's a film that we, we have, it's called Monkey Love. Mm-hmm. It's a comedy and it's, um, yeah, it, it's, I, I, I purchased it because my friend was in it and, um, other than that, yeah, it's, uh, probably, but everything else up there, it's, we bought it because either I enjoy it, we both enjoy it or my husband enjoys it, so.
1: And did we obviously when your friends doing things you have to, and I'll be looking that one up on IMDb later. Uh, but uh, you know, with with the 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 world of uh, cinema and being part of it, do you think that changes the way you look at a film as well?
5: You mean being being part of the, the industry? Yeah. Or y- yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely. Um, I just saw a movie last night, actually, uh, a promising woman. Mm-hmm. Um. And from an actor standpoint, I'm always yes. I'm always looking at films. It's kind of sad, not from not from a, a spectator's point of view. Just enjoying the film. A lot of times, I'm looking at the shots that they chose. Yeah. I'm looking at decisions an actor made, good or bad. Um, I tend to be a little more in, in work mode watching watching an actor work mm-hmm. instead of just sitting back and enjoying a film. Mm-hmm. Unless it's a film I've seen, like if I've seen a movie 15 times, of course I can just, like Back to the Future is one of my favorite films ever. And, you know, I don't evaluate that. I just enjoy it. But most of the time with the new film, I'm like looking at it (laughs) analytically.
1: and looking, looking for those a little bits, and I suppose sometimes it, it's a second watch where you see things as well, and and you know that from the work that you've done. Uh, people will will miss things, and then you know something was in there, almost an Easter egg sometimes at times. And uh, I'm sure that happens with Willow, and and some of the things that uh, Slime got up to in uh, in Ghostbusters too. You know that there are things that you know are there, and other people maybe won't catch up on until they've watched it three or four times. And and when you get to be at conventions and things like that, it must be great to be able to share a few little stories. So give us a little sneak peek now, but nothing that's going to spoil things when the people come to see you at a, a convention.
5: I, I, I've told this at conventions, so it's it's, it's it's fine, but it's a very fun story. We were shooting mm. and Bill Murray was going to Skywalker Ranch, which is where they record sound and they they loop things and looping if you don't know um is when you have to dub something over because maybe there's something wrong with the sound and an actor goes in they watch playback of what they've already shot and they they put their voice over it again yeah. anyway he was there he was he was at near ilm and he came in to watch for the rest of the day he was he was on a friday and he was just sitting and uh we got i got to meet him and i was a huge fan i still am. Um, i'm a big snl freak i love snl and i i had just worshiped him and I, when i met him it was like again a kid in the candy store i couldn't believe it um but and that night when we were when we wrapped and we were done he ended up bringing in music and drinks and turning the whole place in the sound stage into just a little a little party
0: mm-hmm.
5: and uh and that was that was fun he's he's as random as you would think just off the cuff he's great but that that that's a fun little story I I never had expected that I'd get to meet him working in front of a blue screen and then to kind of have some a chance to kind of hang out and enjoy a Friday night with the whole crew and him it was great it was wonderful
1: I bet you say you can tell sometimes the chemistry with people on screen and that thing goes behind the scenes as well and that's clearly what you're seeing here
5: yeah absolutely absolutely yeah, he's,
1: he's wonderful. And, and so, which is your favourite bit of work then? Uh, the 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 creatures, the, the puppeteering. I mean, we've mentioned theatre being your 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 love. Yeah. When it comes down to it, but which would you prefer to do? Do you think if you could only do one thing in front of a camera with you know smiling, or in front of a camera as a creature, which would you go for?
5: I love, I love it all, but I would have to say creating a project and and seeing it come to life and acting in it is my favourite thing. Mm-hmm. So the, pro- the projects that we've created and I'm, and I'm part of, um, because it's part of your heart, you put so much into it. And it's, 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 it's your baby that just kind of became real. Um, that, that to me is probably my favorite, but theater is the second, second close, you know, a yeah. close second for me. Yeah, I, I miss it so much. So I, but creature work, again, the creature work, it's, it's a different monster altogether. Um, but, um, but it, again, rewarding, fun. Um, it's, I just love being creative. I got to be honest. Like yeah, so
1: basically, you're not going to that- choose. You're just going to have it all and do all of it. And we're going to love you for it.
5: Oh, thank you. I, yeah, I, I just love being creative. I love working as, as a collaborator in a team and seeing something work and come to life and, and have people enjoy it in the end.
1: So, where do we find you on all the socials and your website?
5: Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Just look Robin Shelby um you can find me on twitter at actress at actress r shelby um as well as instagram at actress r shelby as well
1: and explore your imdb see all the films that are there and uh, go go along download them enjoy them during the the current times when you can't go and get something <laughs> new there will be things that you won't have seen there that they will absolutely adore aren't they
5: i think so I, I i think so and um yeah, I I heard the uh, the new Ghostbusters just got pushed back into November,
0: mm-hmm.
5: um, because of of everything that's going on. So, because you can't see that yet, go ahead and watch Ghostbusters two again. Yep. Go go watch. Answer the call. The original Ghostbusters. Willow. All, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, definitely enjoy the films. Um, we've been doing a lot of streaming, um, you know, at home, safe, socially distanced streaming. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, enjoy. You know, just. Download films and have at it. That's what I say.
1: Have a great time with it. Well, it's been fantastic hearing from you. Thank you for sharing some of this stories. Thank you. Uh, we look forward to, to to more when we actually go out to conventions and see you in real life again. That'd be brilliant.
5: I, I do miss that, and the the fans are so. um I have to say, the Ghostbusters fans are they're hardcore, but they give back to the community. Talk about like meta cinema right? Which is a very giving, uh, a, a giving thing to do, and the Ghostbusters give back to their community for, you know, uh, St. Jude's to, um, you you name it, like any cancer charity and Mm -hmm. breast cancer. And they, they, they're so giving and and they, they hold events, they raise money and, and they help people in their own community. So it's taking a fandom and they kind of make it something that is, uh, incredibly giving. And I, I think, most of them are just, you know, they come to the conventions and they just they just want to hear stories. They just want to say hi, and they appreciate what you do. So I, I miss that. I haven't done a convention in so long. I miss seeing fans. I do.
1: Well, we look forward to seeing you, hopefully, in the UK before too long.
5: Yes! Oh, I would love it. It
1: would be brilliant to have you over here. And uh, we will look forward to seeing you on our <laughs> screens as well. But for now, Robin Shelby, thank you for joining us for Science of Cinema and supporting MediCinema.
5: Thank you. Thanks so much.
1: If you can go along and support the work of Science of Cinema, raising funds for Medi Cinema, please pop along to their Facebook page and check out what they have going on there and all the other fantastic interviews they've been running too. Steve Heathcock is part of the team behind England Together, a fantastic piece of music, released a little later this year. We'll be talking more about it as we head towards release date, but he joins me now to update me on how the project started. Hello, sir. Morning, Jason. How are we? I'm good, good, thank you. So tell us a a bit about uh, the whole project to begin
6: with. Well, we're all in lockdown, as you know, Mm -hmm. so there's no gigs for none of us. We're all, you know, professional musicians, and I've come up with this plan, you know, giving something back to the NHS, you know.
1: So raising funds for NHS charities together, and uh, again, somewhere that yeah, funding has, has made such a massive difference across the communities. On the sometimes the the, the not necessarily healthcare aspects of, of people's health, if you see what I mean, it's the things that make a difference in the background and lots more besides. So uh, you have been inspired, and this track is inspiring. It is absolutely fantastic, a brilliant sound. So tell tell us about some of the musicians and performers you have there.
6: Well, I've got a list here. Can I go through it? A- Run so the list, and... then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, we recorded everything from home as well, Jason, because obviously the COVID, we couldn't, everything was recorded, vocals, music. Mm-hmm. But I'll give her Rob Lloyd, Studio 64 in Kilimanjaro, which his studio. Mm-hmm. Stacey Green's on the video. She's a professional share, Annie Lennox Tributes. And there's Nick Jarman, who lives in Peterborough. Oliver Jones, who lives in Wensbury, There's Take Two duo in Tamworth. Dan Green, Becky Chadwether, Trishigans, Nazigans, Kevin Jenkins is actually in uh, Alicante, Spain. Yeah. And myself. Stay cook.
1: And yeah, these are several of those names. I'm, I'm not sure of the fellow from Alicante, but I, I've heard and seen on posters uh, and many of those names uh, back in the day when we used to have gigs to go along to. And uh, performing on the circuit and doing such a great job, putting a smile on people's faces in live venues. Can't do that at the moment. But with this track uh, that is uh, truly inspired, it's just sounding really good. So tell us a bit about the song itself.
6: Well, I actually re-recorded it in 2010, the original, Mm -hmm. which got pretty uh, good airplay, like uh, Midlands Today, Central News. Uh, Obviously, it's been revamped, and I got a load of singers and musicians and just revamped it re-recorded it for a new twist on it and i think it's a better version actually
1: well it's uh, certainly lively jolly good fun and a great song and uh, say some fantastic voices there and the fun that you've had doing the video as well because again that's all been recorded during lockdown and it's so fast-paced you can't keep up hardly it's it's really course, good
6: yeah I'm <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, and being a Wolves man like him as well you know yep. Wolves yeah we're lucky now
1: Absolutely. And it would be great to, to get that, some sort of coverage for this across our region and then see this grow into something huge.
6: So well, what, there's what, a Facebook uh, page as well, Jason, yeah. uh, England Together, because most of the group's called England Together. Uh, so when we've got a donation thing on there as well now. And I'm, I'm asking people to join that as well now.
1: So uh, you just look for England Together and you can uh, spot that one. And yeah, yeah. Then yeah, that's, that's how you'll be able to share it. When is release looking like at the moment?
6: Uh, I'm looking either the end of April or the beginning of May, because Three Lions, which is the greatest England song, was released about the 20th of May, so we're looking about that time.
1: Yeah, so it's all in preparation for the Euros, fingers well, crossed. For, for the
6: Euros starting June, down on the 6th of June, so don't want to pick too early, but we want to get the airplay and push it out. It's already had 400 views on uh, YouTube, the video. So, so that's always a good start.
1: Cool. We will take a listen to it in a moment or two's time. But uh, how do people donate? Will it be through the sales or is there a donation page as well?
6: Well, we going to do both. I mean, I was talking to Nick Jarman, uh, who's also an admin on the page, last night. They can donate on the page, even you know, if they don't want to buy the song. They can donate st- st- straight to the NHS, or when the song comes out, they can buy the song or do both, whichever they want to do.
1: Yep, do what you want, as much or as little as you can afford, mm-hmm. and uh, you can make a, a difference. And through England Together, the uh, this this fantastic bit of work uh, from some brilliant performers. And it's also it's, it's a lovely showcase as well. I know that's not the reason anybody's doing it, but it, it actually shows you a load of great talent that's out there.
6: Yeah, it does. I mean, uh, And it's great that everybody... It's lifted the spirits, James, yeah, because obviously we're all despondent now, bookings, now gigs, so it's really lifted the spirits, you know, it's given us something to focus on. Because we don't know when we'll be gigging again. We're talking about May, June, maybe, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a purpose to you know, get something going and motivated, so it's good.
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's fantastic to, to see and hear, and uh, great that you're doing this. So give us all the details again on where we can find you and how we get in touch and donate. And, and, and okay, tonight.
6: so uh, the, on Facebook, you've got England Together, there's a page, so they can join that. And obviously, uh, they can find me on Facebook as well, Steve Heathcock and not everything will be on uh, that when the the release comes out.
1: So all they need to do, look out, England together, Steve Heathcock, you'll find it somehow. Uh, Meanwhile, we're gonna take a a little listen to the track now. So uh, keep up the good work, keep the the media machine going. We look forward to uh, hopefully some TV coverage as well. And uh, you'll hopefully uh, hopefully have uh, an absolutely massive hit on your hands for Euro 2021.
6: Thank you Jason, much appreciated, thank you for your time.
1: This week at the LGBT plus Sparkle get-together on Thursday, Katie Neves is joining them to talk about her journey to womanhood. I'm joined now by both Katie and Paul Ryder from the group. Hello. Hi, Jason. Hi, Jason. So, welcome along. And uh, first of all, uh, Paul, give us a bit bit of an update on on where this talk sits in your current series.
7: Um, Katie is talking to our group, a part of LGBT History Month. Um, Katie's coming out as trans um, story to the group. Uh, a part of the
1: LGBT History Month. So, uh, Katie, obviously, uh, you've already before we started talking, they described it as a journey, and this is something which has a starting point, a middle, and uh, for yourself, the, you've reached the uh, hopefully the point you want to be in your life.
8: Uh, well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. Well, I'm still, I'm still in transition. It takes many years to transition, but mm. uh, so I'm still, still in, in that process. But uh, yeah, I mean, basically, I'm not. I've. Um, I've actually been a a professional photographer and filmmaker for 34 years, but and um, so that's my profession but then uh, three years ago i came out very publicly and well first of all started by admitting it to myself at the age of 48 mm-hmm. um, that i was uh, i was transgender and came out very publicly as being transgender after living for 48 years as a man yeah and and, uh, and so so now um i've um i've got a, a new business as a trans ambassador so i it's called Call cool to be trans so i do trans awareness training public speaking and media appearances about it just to, to do two things really one is to reach out to other trans people to, to let them know that it's okay to be trans because it really is okay to be trans but so many put so much pressure on themselves especially at the start of their journey they think that if they admit it to themselves that they're trans because let's face it nobody wants to be trans nobody chooses to be trans mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's you either are or you're not um but they think that if they Admit it to themselves, then their world is going to end. Well, I'm here to tell them that that's not the case. My world has opened up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that's one thing. And then the other thing is just to educate the general public about trans issues and just to show them that trans people are just ordinary people who want to be safe, loved, and happy, just like everyone else. And that's <laughs> it. <laughs> that really yeah, it. I mean, it's it, it's in many ways what well, you you have a situation
1: here whereby. There's a, I suppose there's a dawning. There's at some point in your life when you start to realise that you're different. Now, everybody is different in some way, but uh, in your case, you've realised there's a, a misalignment between how you feel mentally and the physical appearance that you have.
8: Mm, absolutely, and it's always been there. I mean, ever since the age of about three or four. I mean, um, <laughs> one of yeah, one of my, yeah. Obviously, I, you know, I was assigned male at birth, but that's that's purely um, de- on on what the doctors or midwife physically see <laughs> between the legs. <laughs> it's based on the equipment um, you were given and not necessarily
1: the the, uh, the instruction manual for using it.
8: Exactly, and and the thing is, it's only you know sex is assigned purely on that, and it doesn't take into account um how you feel in your head and your heart and your brain because obviously at that when a baby's born they can't speak anyway (laughs) so (laughs) there's no way of telling what the baby's gender is so you're given this crude label and then that's that sort of stays with you for life unless you do something like i'm doing going through transition and and um you know and for the vast majority of people their their gender identity i.e what's in their head and the heart their heart matches their sex characteristics 99% of the population for about 1% of the population me included there's a mismatch and that mismatch causes something called gender dysphoria um and 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 it's it's horrendous it really is and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy Uh, and it really takes over your life but gender dysphoria is one of those things that can vary in intensity and it very often increases over time and that's what happened with me. And I was completely unprepared for it.
1: Um, so, so I suppose you know, it, it is a different journey for every single person as well. And it, it, many will look to these days, hopefully being able to be free to talk about who they are and to get themselves aligned to where they need to be, live the life that they should be living. Uh, and, but Other people, they, they, they may not want to transition as well, but there is still a conversation to be had there for anybody who finds themselves in this position.
8: Absolutely, and, and it's about living your truth. Um, and because when I finally admitted to myself that, that, that I was trans, um, it was you know it, it was just like a well it was like a weight lifting off my shoulders well as well as being scary because because of the journey ahead of me mm-hmm. <laughs> but but as, soon, but as soon as i admitted it to myself it was like a weight lifting off my shoulders um and the research that i did that showed that it's like there's no there's no choice in being trans you either are or you're not the only choice you have is whether you trans decide to transition or not um and many people decide not to transition because of all sorts of different issues you know for family issues or whatever but the research that i did showed that most trans people who decide to transition usually after the initial loss pain and heartache and bumpy journey along the way usually go on to lead happy and contented lives whereas many people who decide not to unfortunately they're often the ones that 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 you know end up in a spiral of depression or often worse And, and so that's why to me it it I, the it was just such a, a, an overpowering feeling that I just had to had to do something about it so for me I decided to transition and it's been absolutely the right thing but I totally respect people who decide not to and um, for whatever reasons they have you know people can only decide for themselves but I think ultimately it's about it's about living your truth, and that's the path to happiness. And it's about
1: having been able to have the conversation, which gets you to the point where you understand who you are. And I think hopefully society's moved on to the point at which that is easier now than it's ever been before. But even then, there's still a lot of work to do. And through the right. awareness that you're doing, this, this is going to help people to get an understanding of who they are. It could, it could be they have doubts. It might well be that they have the conversation. Yeah. They, they realise what they first thought were trans thoughts, aren't and it's it's uh, at least not for them and it, it's, it's yeah. it is a different thing for for everyone
8: oh t- totally uh, absolutely and uh, but uh, but i think as you say the, it is e- easier now it's still really hard mm, coming yeah. out. i'm not <laughs> saying it's easy don't worry <laughs> um yeah it's it's it, it, it's difficult uh, um i mean in my situation i'm uh, i'm say being freelance photographer and filmmaker and, and my business my photography and video business was and still is actually named after my old male names which mm-hmm. is martin it's martin needs photography and film and uh, it had been an established brand for 22 years when i came out and and so i decided to because it was such a strong brand that i decided to keep the name of the business but in order to do that i'd have to come out very publicly so i made a coming out video and i, I put it on all my social media and i put, put a it to all my clients and it was such a risk i was so frightened of what the reaction would be so i was worried about losing all my clients <laughs> um but i think you know thankfully um i've had a really good reception and i've been very well well it's welcomed and embraced um and it's, and it's been been phenomenal but i think that's all down to a lot of the work that other trans ambassadors before me have done and, and lots of other people who have sort you know all the 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 media that that have been talking about trans issues and everything it's really really helped um okay there's a lot of negative media at the moment unfortunately and and the majority of the of the mainstream media seem to be pretty anti-trans at the moment which is pretty disheartening but um there's there's there are also some 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 supportive ones going on as well And, and um yeah i'm yeah i'm I'm just I'm just pegging away at it. <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah, but but being, being anti anything doesn't make sense. It's
1: it's often people who are afraid of of, of who they are and insecurity in, in the way in which they think that they have, because somebody else is living the life they should be that they're going to suddenly have a change which doesn't feel right to them and it doesn't work like that. As you've already said, this is this is not something that's easy. It's not something you have chosen. It is really? something which took. You, I mean, forty-eight years to 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 get to the point at which you could admit to yourself that the yeah, and to
8: understand yourself where you are. I know it, it's yeah, it's 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 it, and and different people you know come to that conclusion at different times. I mean, some people that you know their gender dysphoria is stronger at an earlier age, and so they need to transition at an early age, you know, if, as a child maybe. But but you know, it, you know, it, it it's quite common for it to um to to increase, particularly. In the late 40s and so i'm quite typical in that sort of sense um but i think the more the more awareness there is the the easier it will be for other trans people to actually have that conversation with themselves because it, it's just it, the easy option is just to not have that conversation at all but then is not the path to
9: happiness
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah you've got to be true to yourself whatever happens and uh, i mean hopefully as you say we're in a world now where it is more accepting yet mainstream media does seem to have issues uh but i think yeah there's a a lot of work ongoing and uh, i think you know it needs more public service broadcasters to to make sure they are doing the right thing and spreading the, the message of love which is what we should have for everybody
8: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So,
1: your talk takes place this coming Thursday, and uh, obviously, you're also going to be in a position to be able to take questions and have a conversation, and, and it's that talking which makes the difference here.
8: Absolutely, I like to create a, a, a safe space where people can ask me anything. Yeah, no holds barred. They can they can ask me anything, and even if they ask me a question that I think would be offensive to other trans people, I'll still answer the question. But then I'll just say to them, please don't ask that of another trans person because it might offend them, and then explain why. And 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 but I won't tell them off for, for asking me because people aren't they're not going to know that and that, and that's what I do That's as as an educator that that's my job to to to, to let them know what what's appropriate to ask and what's not so you yeah, know that's that's fine and it's, it's also about
1: people's reactions to other people as well I mean you're presented with someone you know nothing about them and we we often make assumptions in I'm particularly on the journey it it is going to be Six of one, half a dozen of the other. When you're going through that, and and it's making sure that people understand without having to wear the badge that says, "Hey, look at me, I'm trans." Because it's, it's not. It's it's hey, look at you, I'm Katie. Exactly. That
7: to Katie myself, so I don't see Katie as trans. I see Katie as Katie, like you just said.
8: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. An on the head. Yeah, and, and and I think that's it. And there are there are lots of parts to me. I'm not. not it's not just that I'm just trans. You know, so uh, you know. And and thing is that, that I'm ex- exactly the same person as I was before I transitioned. I've got the same skills, the same experience, the same sense of integrity, the same sense of humour, however warped. <laughs> still <laughs> exactly the same person, even though I look different, I've got a different name. But I'm just far, far happier. I also have cravings for chocolate now too, but it's a girl thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know,
1: everything... Surrounding this 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 subject, this topic needs to be understood, and it's through understanding that you know, somebody else may not only realise that what's going wrong with their current outlook on life, and may be able to put it right. But equally, it allows us to work with uh, alongside others and, and talk to them uh, in the way in which they deserve to be spoken to and understood. So, before Paul gives us all the details on the rest of what they have coming up at LGBT Plus Sparkle during this month. Give us your details, Katie, and where we can find out all about you and your work, and uh, of course the the mentoring
8: and, and and the the outreach that you do. So my website is um, uh, calltobetrans.co.uk and that's the letter the number 2 and the letter b in that so cool, and then 2 uh, that's probably the easiest way to, to find me and and you can look me up on uh, on, on all the different social media as either put in cool to be trans or put in katie neves and you'll find me i'm 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 all over social media like a rash i tell you <laughs> <laughs> could be found everywhere and uh, of
1: course to say uh, paul uh, this is the latest in uh, a long series of uh, discussions and and guests that you've had at lgbt Sparkle in your nearby weekly meetings Mondays and Thursdays Is where you get together All at the moment on Zoom So give us all the details And tell us about what else is happening
7: um, Basically um, uh, You can find us on Facebook It's LGBT Sparkle Wolverhampton If You type that in You can find us on Facebook um, If anyone wants to um, connect with our group but Don't use Facebook Our email address is LGBTQ Sparkle at gmail.com Also um Stephen Chad um, from the is an LGBTQ community development worker, Black Country Healthcare NHS Foundation Trust wanted to connect with Katie and they wanted someone to speak about trans awareness as a part of LGBT History Month. So I'll put them in touch with the lovely Katie Neves.
8: Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Paul. I really appreciate that.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's good to know this is all happening. And it's this this Thursday is when uh, the uh, the conversation we had at uh, on the 11th. What time? at 2pm. So make sure you uh, sign up to the group, join in, have that conversation, and LGBT... I I, I nearly missed your Q then, Paul. LGBTQ plus Sparkle is is where you're at. So uh, it, it covers everyone. So whether you are somebody who is within that community, believes that community is where your life needs to be, or you are somebody who just wants to understand and appreciate the, uh, the, the the whole wonderful world of people we have out there, all of whom we deserve our love, then that is the place to go to. And thank you both for joining us, and uh, I'm sure there'll be many people who will be not only inspired but also have a greater understanding following the talk
8: in the week, Katie. Oh, thanks ever so much, Jason. Lovely to speak thanks to you. Thanks so much, Jason. <laughs>
1: That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 608 next week. I'll see you then. ta ra now. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the
0: milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.